I remember my physics teacher said, if you can code it into your calculator, yes, you can use it on the test. And I got everything into that calculator. (laughs) (laughs) What's costing your business time and money? Inaccurate address data. Smarty Streets provides blazing fast address validation, auto-completion, and rooftop geocoding APIs. Stack Overflow listeners get a kick-awesome t-shirt in one of three designs when you start your free trial. Get yours at smartystreets.com slash stackoverflow. Head on over there, check out the free trial, get an awesome t-shirt, and support the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, home team edition. I'm Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my co-hosts and colleagues, Ryan Cassidy and Ciara. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey, Ben. So I was watching uh, Joma Tech video the other day. Are you guys familiar with Joma Tech? No. 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 He does like programmer videos and he was doing the 10 year oh, one where it's like. Now that you say, I thought I thought you were talking about like a brand of some kind. J-O-M-A is his like YouTube handle. Anyway, it was pretty interesting. You can, well, I'll put it in the show notes, but he was like walking through going to college, knowing nothing about computer programming, joining like a robotics competition and like being the guy who did the programming all the way through working for big fang companies and now being like a, you know, developer content creator, as well as I think he has his own startup or something like that. But I thought it might be fun since we're all here to do a version of that. I don't have 10 years of programming experience under my belt, but Ryan, Cassidy, Siora, we can do as many years as we have. We'll just add them all up and it'll yeah, be yeah. the most experienced ones. Yeah, exactly. But year one for me, I'm going to start at the beginning of Stack Overflow. I took a little bit of basic HTML, CSS, and JavaScript with my then colleague and co-host Sarah Chips, which was fun. I used Free Code Camp. I enjoyed it. I played a little Twilio Quest. I played a lot of, what's the one? 99, 9 billion humans. And sometimes I really enjoyed it. But yeah, eventually I realized like I can now like conduct a one hour podcast about SRE and like know what I'm talking about and get in pretty, pretty deep in the weeds, but actually writing code that works. I don't know if that, I don't think that will ever be my thing two and a half years into it. So talk, discussing code intelligently, got it covered. Writing code, still not happening for me. But hey, you're halfway there. Talking about it is is a very big part of the job. A very big part of the job. It is. You know, to be fair, I can't write, you know, working code either. Right. What even is working code? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Ryan can read, you can read code snippets and talk a little bit more about in the syntax of, you can, you can speak more in the syntax, whereas I have to speak like at one or two levels of abstraction. Well, my, my year one was basic on the Commodore 64. I remember trying to program something and record it to a tape, to a cassette. Oh my God. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, high school, uh, programming a fancy calculator for with a Mad Libs app. Oh yeah. TI-83. Mm-hmm. I did do a little of that. Some I, Snake same. and some Mafia Wars. Yeah. I okay. wanted to, but I never figured out how to because I saw like a bunch of videos of people doing like fancy stuff with their calculators, but I never figured it out. So I'm jealous of everyone here. I did it out of desperation where a teacher, I remember my physics teacher said, if you can code it into your calculator, yes, you can use it on the test. 
And oh, I wow. got everything Ooh. into that calculator. <laughs> and oh, the, I did not have a cable to like plug it into the computer. So I was truly programming and like typing out wow. the textbook Ooh, into right. the calculator, being able to like make up lookup oh, things to look but up. But that's, yeah, what a life hack. If I could have wow. programmed my, my formulas that I was trying to memorize, wrote into my math and physics, I'm sure it would have yeah. been. Dang, I wish my teacher had said that. Um, honestly, she was probably just tricking us, being like, they're going to study so much harder by just programming it and so, yeah, instead of sure. just reading it and stuff and yeah honestly yeah. it was true but yeah. still i definitely used my calculator a ton for that so Sierra, what was year one like for you year one i guess year one for me probably was my senior year of high school i was like this is so funny i had basically almost like failed out of my junior year of high school so <laughs> i kind of knew like I didn't like take my SATs or anything. I was like, college is probably not an option for me. Like I can't afford to pay out of pocket. I didn't have a good counselor either who like talked to me about like how you can kind of get around all that kind of stuff with like scholarships and everything. So I was just like, okay, yeah, like college is not an option for me. I'm going to have to figure out something that's like I can do where I can make money without going to college. Mm -hmm. So in my senior Mm -hmm. year of high school, I did some like Googling and I was like, you know, the top thing in all these Google searches that sounds the most interesting to me is software development. So Mm. I had like taken, I enrolled in some classes that year. One of them was like HTML and CSS. One of them was C++, I think. C++ class, I don't know what was going on. The stark contrast. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know what was happening. Like the first semester was the HTML, CSS, and then the second one was C++. I don't even know what like the student, (laughs) I mean, the like teachers were doing when they decided on that like workflow. I don't know. But... Maybe they yeah. just looked up programming languages <laughs> to teach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this the C thing was like really tough. Like I, I don't know what yeah. was going on, but I don't think my teacher really knew what was going on either. And the yeah. HTML and CSS was like like the stuff we were doing was like like nineties esque kind of stuff where it was like mm-hmm. no special fonts that basic red and blue kind of stuff like it was and I was like this part of it seems kind of easy like I'm sure I could do this Mm -hmm. I mean it's really ugly but I think I could do this then that summer I like went to a program where for two weeks we were like um coding in html css and ruby and like at the end of the the program you like make a website cool yeah so that was like how I I guess that that's considered like my first first year in right Mm -hmm. software development kind of stuff I had a friend who now works at Kickstarter he's not a coder but he's pretty tech savvy and he was telling me he had a computer class in high school in Washington DC he went to public school there but they didn't have any computers so they would print out papers and they would bring them in it would be like if you were using a computer this is how you would create a Microsoft Word document and if you had made a document, this is how you could save it. And then they would take a test that was like, you've got to create a Microsoft Word document. What do you do? And you'd like write out <laughs> the answer. That's, but, uh, that's something. Yeah, it's when true. I lived in Spain, that was basically what our coding classes were like, where we, yeah, we'd, we had paper and they yeah. explained like what a stack and a queue was. And then they mm-hmm. had us implemented writing on paper. And there yeah. are points where mm-hmm. I remember I was arguing with someone in the class being just like, no, I, I I think that this is how you do it. I think you have an infinite loop here and stuff. And we couldn't debug it until we <laughs> and until we left the classroom because we didn't have right. computers. Wow. Yeah, I, I had to do that uh, in some of my CS courses in uh, in college, like figuring out the uh, the theta of uh, certain algorithms on paper. Yeah, with the big O notation. Oh my yeah. gosh! Oh no! Mm-mm. Oh yeah! No. That's how you really learn it. Then it really <laughs> sticks. 
You know, it really does stick though. It, like it really I does. did not yeah. enjoy it at the time, but I was like, man, I know stacks really well now. It's just, <laughs> I, I guess it worked. I guess it worked. So that was year one. Year two, I've, I've been messing around looking at a bunch of different drag and drop build and app tools. And I feel like my comprehension of like what biz, the business logic is and what it would take is a little bit deeper now. So I, I talked mm-hmm. for a long time. I want to build this like really simple web app for the dog park. You can sign up your name, the dog's name, when you're coming. Other people can see that. They can sign up for the time. And then after 24 hours, it just forgets everything. And you just start again. And I don't want any PII. Just want to do that. And so I I started to learn a little bit about like, well, what if this was like serverless? Like, do I need a database? Like, if I like wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, send mobile notifications or I wanted to have single sign on, you know, like what would it look like? So like that was year two. I sort of I if I was starting from scratch, I could draw out how you would build the website and, and get pretty close. I still couldn't can't write any of the code, but I think like my comprehension of what it takes in the software development lifecycle and sort of the tooling and the the different pieces has come together a little. Uh, For an idea like that, you could probably get pretty dangerous with a no-code tool. Mm -hmm. I've seen some startups that are built with like Bubble or Webflow and stuff where it's it's truly a no-code tool, but it handles the authentication. It handles like saving and, and tossing information and it uses like a spreadsheet as the database. Yeah, that's what I basically. All right, well, if you saw a good one, send it to me. Maybe I'll just copy, copy, yeah, yeah. And change the header oh, sure. to Dog Park. Yeah, great. But tell me a little about year year two or year. You know, we can get a little rough. It doesn't have to be exactly year two. Yeah, but. yeah, sure. Yeah, because my years, my years like one through four were all like a mix of programming my calculator and HTML and CSS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just because I was a student who didn't have access right. to other things. Okay, so let's we'll we'll do our exercises like beginning, middle, and now. So I just described my intermediate phase, which is, that's it. There's no advanced phase. <laughs> but what does is, what is your intermediate phase look like? I would probably say, you know, after the, uh, the count them four classes I, I took in college in very early Java, I mucked around a little bit. I had, did some, some JavaScript stuff. And then I did some Python scripting for a game called Freedom Force mm. way back in the day. There's a big modding community around it. I think you've talked about it before. It's the only reason I know Python. Hmm. I think that modding community has actually got me jobs before. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's I awesome. know Python. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like how people have learned how to mod Minecraft, and that's how they learned Java. So I believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you get into programming. I would say <laughs> 75% of the time when we have a guest on the Second Rifle podcast, and we say, hey, just take us back in time. Like, how'd you get into software? How'd you learn to code? They said, well, I was a kid, and I loved gaming. Or yeah. I was doing this game, yeah. or I was leading this gaming community, and then that because I wanted to get more and more involved, eventually, like kind of dip my toe in the water, and oh, look, mom coding. Yeah, is that or MySpace? So many mm-hmm. people I've or heard Neil were like, custom- yes, yeah. they were like oh. customizing mm-hmm. their MySpace page, and they were like, I really want to make it look really nice, so they stumble into HTML, CSS, and now they're like right. leading a software engineering team, like at some big company. <laughs> right. like, right. Yeah. yeah. I was just because that'd be a cool alumni group. Like I started my career in MySpace would be like a good age <laughs> yeah. cohort. I would hang out with those people. There yeah. was definitely a very popular Twitter thread where it was people who were all just like, yep, I started with Neopets. And it was just like, it was people <laughs> who were just young enough for, for MySpace, but just old enough for all the modern stuff. Yeah. So right. that's where mm-hmm. all of their HTML and CSS knowledge came from. I wonder like what that is for like the like now generation of them, I don't know, like Gen Z, right? Like, because right. Gen Z was probably too young for MySpace, right? So right. probably Minecraft for a lot of people. I was going to say, or mm-hmm. Roblox. Can you code Roblox? Things? Oh, 
Yeah, you, there's an amazing editor. We should probably check it out sometime. But yeah, my kids got super into Roblox when it was like they were school was mm-hmm. remote and they were we'd moved to a new school and that was like the way to hang out offline mm-hmm. was to be in Roblox. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge game editor. I don't know if it works in Unity or what, but basically you do need to like learn a few things. They have like some oh. drag and drop, but you can easily get under the hood. You can make good money if you build like a Roblox game that takes off and has in-app payments or people pay for it. Like there's yeah. just a huge library. That's what makes Roblox so dangerous as a parent is kids are like, let's play Roblox. And you're like, great. And then you go in and somebody has like recreated some horrible massacre or some oh like really gosh. violent game, but the wow. Roblox version yeah. and they just start playing it. And you're like, wait, what, what is this? This is not <laughs> oh, the Lego yeah. Minecraft world I imagined. It's like people, one was like, jump off a hill and like you roll down and it's physics. And then when you get to the bottom, like how many bones have you broken? Hooray, you broke a hundred. Like, hooray, oh you broke gosh. 200 oh, bones. Yeah. My wife and I were just no, no, like, that's, what that's is this? That's a classic game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, truck ejector, stair, stair oh ejector, something. This is so, wow. s- such oh, a man. bad for their minds, so bad for their little brains. Were you talking about uh, user-generated content <laughs> yeah. last time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cassidy, Sierra, talk me through your, your intermediate phase, as you would describe it. Well, this is going to be a fun time for me because my intermediate phase, uh, so between my senior of high school and like my intermediate phase, if I can even call it that, was some time. Like I spent a long time just like I forgot about tech. I forgot about like wanting to be a software engineer. I like did digital marketing for a little while and like did that freelance for a little while. And then um, for me, I consider this like beginner phase part two technically, but Mm -hmm. I didn't start like coding again until March of 2020. Cassidy, you might know this because I think I've talked about this on Twitter quite a bit. But so March 2020, right? Like the pandemic hits everyone's panicking, like companies are having hiring freezes, whatever. All my freelance clients like dropped me. They're like, oh, we don't know what things are going to look like. I was like doing digital marketing for a couple like conferences and like event kind of things. Mm. So obviously they were not doing it anymore. So yeah, they were like, events yeah, did not happen then. Right. So they were like, <laughs> there's no need for this. has some personal experience in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I was at a point where like social life gone, like professional life pretty much gone. And then I had gotten a scholarship from Udacity for their cloud DevOps engineering program in like January of 2020. And I just like kind of left it on the back burner. Like I wasn't really taking it seriously. And then I was like, you know what? I literally have nothing else to do. So I might as well try to do this. And then I was like, for some reason, I got really serious that time around. Like I started being serious with the course. I started learning Python as well in tandem with the course because I was supposed to know Python before I signed up for the course, but I lied. (laughs) So so I started to learn Python and then I started to get active on Twitter. So I would like talk about what I was learning and all that kind of stuff. And then like, I didn't really understand the DevOps side of things, but I got really into AWS. Like that was like the thing I talked about the most. Mm -hmm. I was like a part of some AWS communities. I wrote some articles about AWS. So yeah, that was like my intermediate phase, I guess you could say like, I was really into like the cloud serverless thing. And then I kind of got into Jamstack a bit like later on that year. So like I kind of stuffed like probably like a bunch of years of experience into like six months. But I don't recommend it because by December, I was like extremely burnt out. Like, Mm, (laughs) like it was it was like ridiculous. But now that I talk about it, sometimes I'll talk about it with people and they're like, oh, my gosh, I thought you've been here for like years. And it's like, no, it's like barely like I've professionally been in tech for just over a year. Like I got my first job in September. Right. So of 2020. So yeah, I've only been around for like a year. So I right. guess but that's kind of like where it lets you compress a lot of time because you weren't doing anything yeah. else. So you could just focus on it. Right. And I love I how you came to into it with from uh, what, what's kind of like the modern world where you're doing it, but you're also writing content about it and being in communities. Yeah. And it's like kind of like this 
this pr- the process of it is exposed and community you know community driven and content driven which is interesting. yeah actually Cassidy tweeted this like a little while ago I think you said something like having a community can really help you jumpstart your career like in a really yeah. like almost fascinating kind of way and that's basically what happened with me because aside from like learning the technical stuff I also like invested a lot of time in like online communities and discord and like slack right. and stuff like that so when it came time when I felt like I was kind of ready for a job people were like here's this contract role or here's this role I know they're hiring for I know mm-hmm. people there I can connect you with them so, so cool. people when people look at me and they're like oh my gosh how did you do all that in under a year or just about a year it's because of people it's not me like at all i i promise you I mean, like it's i'm partially not you don't don't yeah. don't cut sell yourself no, short i i also had plenty yeah. of free time in the pandemic and i didn't turn into a full-time coder <laughs> it's, it's also about yeah, your personality and how you know i had plenty of opportunities yeah because i i knew it was recent i don't think i realized it was right at the start of the pandemic i thought it was a little yeah. bit before but right. i think you're also a very good case of my personal theory that a lot of marketers would be really really good at coding yeah. Like, first of all, there's a different style of logic that that you learn when you code, but also you're really good at meeting people and networking and stuff because that's what mm-hmm. you had to do in marketing. And, right. And, and that kind of community is so huge. Yeah. And then for me, like, I knew I was coming in the door with like, I hate to say this, but like a slight disadvantage. Like, let's be totally transparent here. When you come from like a non-traditional background, it is harder to like get your foot in the door. So right. I was like, I got I have to market myself. Like I used to market mm-hmm. other people's companies or other people's products. And now it's my turn. So like when I was writing articles, I used all my like SEO knowledge and all my like marketing tactics and like my Twitter strategy, like knowledge right. and everything to like get my articles out there and get people talking about them. Like I've gotten quite a few opportunities just from, I yeah. was like, I, it was just like a perfect storm kind of like, okay, this kind of started off on the wrong start, like losing all my clients. I'm kind of broke, but all that, like in my previous experience, all kind of combined together to create like a really special situation. So right. I tried to, to make the most of it, but, but yeah, it turned, it seems like it turned out pretty okay. Cause I'm here yeah, now, I but mean, look yeah. at you now killing it. And then I think, Thank you. yeah, dev advocacy is such a hard job to be able to do, which once again, I think people who do marketing and tech together yeah. can do it really well. And so the fact that you did it, I think is amazing. Yeah. And working at a company Thank that's you. like, you know, right on the cutting edge of really cool stuff, really cool tools that yeah. lots of developers are using. I want to be respectful of people's time. I don't know how over we can go. So maybe Cassidy, you give us your advanced phase and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Sure. My intermediate phase was basically college. I did the very traditional background of computer science. And so right. there you go. I did that. Yeah. But it it did start to do non-traditional stuff because I started going to hackathons a ton. And there mm. was like a heyday of hackathons like between 2012 and 2016, I'd say in particular, yeah. maybe 2017. And I was at almost all of those hackathons and, and <laughs> I, I've, I've been to over a hundred hackathons. I met my husband at a hackathon, really, really into hackathons. And that got me into the dev advocacy thing as well. And and I, I think between all of the different startups I've worked at and, and, and big companies too, I, I think getting into the advanced phase, it's been a lot of job hopping, I admit. It's never because I'm just like, I'm flaky. Let's try something new. It's it's more like different situations that have led me to switch jobs. But uh, most recently, the switch was because of the pandemic. Again, like Sierra said, all events were 
shut down and I was teaching full-time event workshops. Uh, but right. um, I, I will say, I think my last job was probably my favorite job just because I loved the teaching aspect so much. And I do yeah. get aspects of that in, in my current job now, but I'm very, very deep in React and, and the web dev world and pandemic has been weird, but it's it's been really fun making all of these online communities and, and friends on the internet. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our that's our 10-year journey. Not exactly 10 years, but compressed time from beginning, middle, and end. So yeah, we would love to uh, hear anybody who's listening. If you want to send us your 10-year journey, I'll read the listener email bag and we'll talk about it next time. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, it's super interesting how we all ended up here from such different places, but just how, mm-hmm. you know, how central software is now to the way we live our lives and to so much business that you can be in the world of software even if you don't write any code or you write some and you're a marketer, you really write it and then you end up in a, you know, you realize I'm great at coding now, but actually I really like developer advocacy better. Like I want to go out and meet people and teach classes. And like, that's where, you know, like software works for me. Okay, everybody, it is that time of the show. I'm going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge. Somebody came out in Stack Overflow. They sat, found a question with a score of negative three or less. They gave it an answer that got a score of 20 or more. And the question now has a score of three or more. So they saved a bit of knowledge from the dustbin of history, and now it's on the network helping people learn. Thanks to Guillermo Nascimento, awarded two days ago, prevent some elements from being rendered canvas. Does that mean in canvas? Are we missing a word there? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> prevent some elements from being rendered canvas. Asked six years ago, viewed 11,000 times. There's a good answer in there. Ooh. I'll put it in the show notes. Ooh. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us with your coding journey, podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. Really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Arthur Donovan. And if you have a great idea for the blog, email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com. No tutorials, just great ideas. No tutorials. I'm Ciora. I am a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. And you can find me on Twitter. That's where I spend the most time out of all the social media networks out there. And my username there is at Ciorio. So that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. My name is Cassidy Williams. I'm Director of Developer Experience at Netlify. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. All right. Very cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.